one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to thirty six percent better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a one dollar a month trial period at Shopify.com/arsblog. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/arsblog now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/arsblog. right here on arsblog.com. I hope you're well. I'm sure you are well after what has been a, a pretty good week all in all. The wave of goodwill has carried us through from last Sunday. We're floating on air like Mr. Tambourine Man. I don't know if he floated on air, but he was a happy-go-lucky chap, so he was. Shame how it ended for him. He used to smoke the odd joint, and then, of course, he got suckered into the whole tambourine cracked in situation and he ended up drowning in a bathtub with Whitney Houston there's a lesson there for all of us but anyway until his life went tragically wrong he was a very happy-go-lucky guy because maybe his football team beat the champions away from home after not beating anybody away from home for such a very 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 long time so long it became a thing an almost physical thing that people would say Arsenal going away from home against one of those big teams I think we all know what's going to happen here and for the most part I think we all did and then something else happened and I think there was joy and also surprise and surprise makes joy a bit better assuming that the surprise is joyous and it's not somebody jumping out from behind a door as you're coming into the house carrying all the shopping and it's dark and you drop the shopping and run off shrieking down the garden path. Just throwing that out there. And then, you know, other things started to happen during the week. We made a, a signing. Christian Bielik. He is signed. He is ours. We have purchased him. His rights, his soul, everything. We own him now. We own him. I think it's a good thing that football clubs can own other people. They can own humans. Nothing like that ever caused any problems in the past, ever, as far as I'm aware. So we own this young Polish boy now, and uh, then there's talk about buying an actual real grown-up adult footballer too. Going to get ourselves a nice Brazilian, Gabriel Paulista, plays for Villarreal. Discussions, according to Arsene Wenger, are progressing well. There's a 50-50 chance that it might happen. People might think that that is, oh, maybe it's a bit iffy. But I don't think so. Everything is a 50-50 chance. It either will or it won't. So I'm hoping it will, because obviously we need a defender. And he looks like quite a good defender. Now, I haven't seen an awful lot of him, bar one or two YouTube videos. But people who watch Spanish football on a regular basis say that he's good at football and defending and we need a footballer who can defend not a defender who can play football we need a footballer who can defend there's a very subtle distinction there and he ticks that box 
So we'll wait and see what happens there. Of course, the fact that he hasn't played for Brazil, he hasn't got any uh, European Union relatives, no Italian auntie or or a Spanish grandmother, nothing like that, that they've found yet anyway. And that means he can't qualify for an EU passport. So we're, we're subject to the work permit thing, which can be, as we know, a little bit arbitrary because we got special talent dispensation for Alex Song, who at the time, let's face it, was not the kind of special that you would associate with talent. Different. He, you know, he wasn't. How did, he, how did we do that? How did we convince anybody back then, before he had grown out of his ugly duckling stage to become a, well, I won't say a swan, but a, a relatively good goose, perhaps. But back then, we got a work permit for him based on the fact that he was a special talent. We got one for Rio Miaichi, too. That's impressive. Rio is very, very, very fast. He is very fast indeed. Very fast. But apart from being very fast, I'm not sure what else he's particularly good at. So it's worked for us in that way, but then we had the issue with uh, Joel Campbell. You might remember that we spent so long trying to sign him and he couldn't get a special talent dispensation. And I think he'd played a few games for Costa Rica at that stage. So he was touching or knocking on the doors of uh, international eligibility. So we'll just have to wait and see how this one goes. There are new rules coming into place, and I think that's what um, I think that's what the manager is is looking at. That if a transfer, for example, from next summer, if a transfer is over ten million pounds, the player qualifies for a work permit automatically, regardless of his nationality. It doesn't have to be uh, an international for one of the top teams, or he doesn't have to have any EU qualifications or EU residency. It's to do with the price of the player, which seems a bit odd to me. But if we can demonstrate now that this player uh, will qualify for a work permit in the summer under these new rules, perhaps they'll just give us one and say, ah, look, it's all changing anyway in the summer. So we'll see. So hopefully we can do the business with, with Villarreal. That would be good, get a new defender in. About time. We've all been screaming out for one, so if we get one, we should all be jolly delighted. Better late than never, some people might say. I would say better earlier than better late than never, or something. That would be my thinking. The other thing I like about this, uh, Gabriel guy, and also Christian Bielik, I think Arsene Wenger has been very, very sensible in, in the two players that he's chosen, because... They bring something to the squad that is in kind of short supply. And uh, look, th- these guys, they're not going to win any male model contests, are they? And the problem with this team at the moment is we're, they're t- t- too damn handsome. So I'm glad we're looking at players whose heads are slightly misshapen, for example. None of these chiseled good looks and cheekbones. No. There's a, a grizzliness to both of those new boys that I think will fit into our squad very well indeed. Just kind of evens it all out a bit here. So well done, Arsene Wenger, for A, finding the players, and B, finding the right faces to go on those players. Other than that, it was a, a pretty quiet sort of a week from an Arsenal point of view because we were all just going around being happy because we won at Manchester City. Sure, they didn't have Yaya Toure, People like to qualify things like that, but we didn't have Godzilla, so it all evens itself out as far as I'm concerned. The other thing that happened to me this week was I got an email, uh, an offer, quite the offer too. Good morning, began the email. I am emailing you to ask whether you'd like to be involved with new sports site Zap Sports. That's sports with a Z. It is owned and written by, wait for it, Glenn Hoddle. Award-winning journalist Harry Harris and Sky Sports' Bill Bradshaw. We are looking for top bloggers to help promote articles related to the club you blog about. It's that personal touch I like. We have a piece that has come out today related to transfer rumours, and we ask kindly that you can help us promote it to your large following. Additionally, we are looking for bloggers to become featured writers on our site. This gives you the opportunity to work with some of the leading and most respected people within the football industry and will help drive traffic back to your own blog. Whew! 
Man, when I saw that, I thought all my Christmases had come at once. Traffic, back to my own blog. What an opportunity this is. What an opportunity. Not only do you get to work with some of the most leading and respected people within the football industry like Glenn Hoddle, you also get as reward for whatever work you might do them creating a link on their website. Very difficult to turn down, I have to say. I wrote back to them and said, well, thank you. I'm, uh, this is very, very appealing indeed. Do you mind me just asking one small question before I commit to this fantastic chance that will undoubtedly change my life forever? Because, you know, working with Glenn Hoddle, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. He's one of the most leading and respected figures in the football industry. And he's working for a website which uses a Z instead of an S in its URL. Sports. It's incredible. So I wrote back and said, and how much do you pay these featured writers? Silence. Silence. Not a single word. Which is a surprise because obviously Glenn Hoddle is a man of great means. As one of the most leading and respected figures in the football industry, you would think that he has invested wisely down the years and would undoubtedly be able to pay people when he asks them to work. I'm sure. So it must be just a miscommunication. Perhaps my email went into the spam folder or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, we are going to look ahead to the FA Cup game against Brighton in a while. But now, joining me on the Arscast to discuss all the bits and pieces of what has been quite an interesting and splendid week altogether, it's Amy Lawrence. Hi, Amy. Hi, how are you, Andrew? I'm good. It's, I'm still basking in the glow of what happened last weekend against Manchester City, uh, which is where I want to start. We know that Arsenal's away record against big teams has been poor in recent times. And this season they were beaten by Chelsea, pummeled at Anfield, even if it was a game that Arsenal probably should have won, um, beaten by Southampton on New Year's Day. And, and that's not necessarily a traditionally big side, but they're one of the informed teams this season. And then they go to Manchester City and do that. How much did they need that as much as anything? It's funny because I was at the press conference before the game and, you know, one always looks at Arsene Wenger and his face and his expressions and his mannerisms for clues, you know. Mm. And, and the question that I wanted to ask him that I never got time for, because um, we get we get about we get granted about six minutes these days for all Sunday newspapers. So you've you got to be lucky to get in with a question or two or follow up um, a kind of train of thought. Mm. But what occurred, what I would like what I was going to ask him is when he is in the dressing room before a game and he looks at his players. You know, do you know, do you get that feeling when you look around the group, when you look in their eyes and you look at their body language? Can you tell in the way that probably you could have looked at the, you know, the the, the, the Vieira, Gilberto, Sol Campbell, Thierry Henry group yeah. or going further back when he first arrived, the Adams and, and, and Dixon and Keown, Ian Wright group and know that they were up for a big game? And equally, do you know when you look around the group if there's a nervousness and anxiety, a tension. And if, you know, and in that case, the obvious thing is, do you look at your players and feel that they're ready to, that, you know, how can they change that, that mentality? Anyway, I never got around to asking a question, but it seemed to me that, that, that a really big answer was supplied. You know, there's a lot spoken about tactics after that game and how strategically Arsenal approached it in a different way. But, as much of it that was about tactics, it was about the the sheer willpower in that team to make sure that the familiar doesn't happen again. Yeah, I mean, there must be when you're when you're when you've got a record like that away from home, that when you go into one of these games as a player, as a as a collective, as a group, it's got to be pretty much to the forefront of your mind that it's already a big occasion it's a big game against a very good team you know that your season hasn't gone particularly well or as well as people would like so there's pressure anyway just because of the type of fixture that it is but when you're going into that game with with the weight of all the other performances and this you know it's up there with the how many years since Arsenal won a trophy it had gone that that, that it far felt, it felt like that in terms of the reaction and yeah and actually, that was one of the things that was in that is, is fascinating about this 
performance and result when you compare it to the FA Cup final and that feeling of casting a monkey off the back and 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 emerging from the darkness of, of difficult times um, solving a problem that had gone on and on and on and there, you know, we had the conversation lots of people did was the FA Cup the stepping stone now that that was done and dusted can Arsenal go on and, and build and of course you know a few months later it was a bit of same old same old and people were tearing their hair out again yeah. thinking oh can Arsenal never learn thinking that they may have they'd taken that step so the, the curiosity that we will find in the next few weeks and months is whether this win away from home, being able to get rid of that Arsenal can't win away from home against the big teams um, theme is something that they can use as, as, a, as a stepping stone of real substance. Yeah. I mean, they did go into the game against Chelsea in, in a similar kind of way in that they, uh, you know, we, we, we sat off, we played three in the centre of the park to try and cut out the space and Chelsea on the day had a player like Eden Hazard who is quite brilliant and we didn't do perhaps as well in, uh, as we did uh, in stopping the ball getting to David Silva who was who can have the similar impact for Manchester City on that day Chelsea then scored first and the whole dynamic of that approach changes because you're not containing anymore you have to go and try and, and get something from the game but is this I mean it sounds uh, maybe a bit of a cliche but is it something of a blueprint going into bigger away games is this how Arsene Wenger now is going to approach the these games and do you think having seen how well it worked against Manchester City he might realize or or come to the conclusion that perhaps this is the best approach rather than him trying to impose his way of playing on teams who are pretty well able to cope with it yeah, but also what interests me is whether this can also be a blueprint for not just the big games, but for any games. Stoke away, for example. Exactly. Um, I mean, you have to look at it as a uh, that kind of where's the plan B debate that's going on for Dolphins. <laughs> and if if the players and at a major club, they ought to be good enough to be flexible. If they are flexible enough to be able to adapt during matches, so maybe they do start out with one system, they find it's not quite working, and then they find that they have to adjust themselves, adjust their mentality or adjust their positioning or adjust details in the game. Um, they, what, they, what they suddenly, everybody raves about these days is game management. Arsene Wenger likes players to take control of their own game management quite a lot. Mm. And it's, you've got to be a really clever cookie to be doing that when you're in the middle of a game and there's the emotion and the passion and it's all happening. You know, it's not easy. But the best players um, are, are able to do that. Uh, I think, you know, some of the old Arsenal teams were able to do that, that were successful, um, had were able to have slightly tweaked ways of playing according to what was going on in the game. Um, but at least it gives this group the knowledge, OK, we can do this as well as that. So it's, it's a fantastic thing for them to have uh, and to add to their armoury. Yeah, I mean, I think you could see by, by the way that they celebrated after the game that it, it meant a lot to them, not just because it was three points, because I think they were all very clear afterwards, yeah, it's, it's just three points and we've got to do this in the next game and the next game, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, you could see by the way that they, re they reacted afterwards that it felt like a weight was lifted from them at least. I think I think a weight's been lifted from the club, definitely. Um, it, it, it's got to be massively annoying if you're a player and indeed if you're the manager. You know, I do go to a lot of Wenger's press conferences and he does get asked the same kind of things a lot mm. <laughs> because that's the nature of, of the beast. And there are times that you sit there thinking, oh, gosh, it must be soul-destroying that he's got to sit there and confront the same... Uh, sometimes a little bit annoying questions, so they must be annoying questions to him. And obviously, there are times when he can't be as candid as he might like to be, for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. You know, all managers who are, um, are good at what they do know that they have to be slightly careful about what comes out in public, and know that making public statements is a, a part of the mechanism to getting things through to their own to the players. Francis Coquelin has come out of the cold 
uh, quite literally. I mean, he was um, sent far, far away to Charlton uh, after last year being away at Freiburg. And to all intents and purposes, um, had everybody been fit, we could be looking at, at the end of his Arsenal career. Instead, we're, we're looking at a guy who might well be, you know, on the brink of a of a new era or a new time in his Arsenal career, even though his contract is up in the summer. We now have this, we now have a Flamini-esque saga, if you like, where, where it's like, oh my God, he's playing brilliant. Uh, shit, uh, is it too late to give him a contract? We'll come back to the contract thing in a side, but um, the timing sometimes in football is, is interesting, and it's funny that uh, a chance can present itself to a, a very good player, and it might be taken or it might not be taken, and that can dictate the the, uh, the path that a player's career takes. It can go from success to not, not as uh, anywhere near as successful as people would predict. But Coquelin's come in and has provided the attributes I think that the Arsenal midfield has been missing yeah, totally and uh, I think you touched upon it on the Arscast earlier in the week with James but you know there are obviously obvious other examples uh, the likes of Ashley Cole or player who might have been on his way out that suddenly circumstances dictate you know, a, a, an entirely different scenario than anybody ever imagined which is definitely the case with Coquelin and Alex Song is a really good example as well and that Fulham game where he was booed off. Anybody who was at that match at Craven Cottage will know that you you just didn't think there was any chance of of this boy having an Arsenal career. And within uh, you know a couple of years of that, he had evolved into um you know a, a, a very, such a highly coveted player that Barcelona came in with with big bigish money for him. So um, obviously that might not have worked out quite the way Alex Song would have wanted, but. When if he went back to that moment at, at Craven Cottage, um, when on the day he signed for Barcelona, I bet he kind of thought, "Wow." Um, I sometimes wonder about the ones that, that got away with with players. I mean, Arsenal have produced some talented youngsters in the last few years, and not all of them have necessarily been given that much chance. Uh, you know, you look at a boy like Tuba Akpom, who I think has really fabulous potential um, and wonder whether he's going to get his big chance or whether like some of the other talented youngsters, it doesn't quite work out. The opportunities don't quite come and you, you get perhaps sold down to a, a lower league club. And often if you're playing in a certain level, you kind of adapt to that level, if that mm. makes sense. Um, it's by throwing someone into the these very deep sort of seas that you find out, the extent to which they can 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 stay alive. Yeah, uh, I mean it's a it's a difficult thing for a manager. If we look at somebody like Chuba Akpom, the there's always pressure on someone like Arsene Wenger to have a world class striker or world class strikers. That was a complaint last season, whereby we only had Olivier Giroud, but now we've got Giroud, we've got Welbeck, we've got Alexis, we've got Theo Walcott there, um, and it, it becomes increasingly difficult for Akpom. To, to make the breakthrough. Nevertheless, the sort of criticism of the idea that Akpom might be let go or he might get to the end of his contract. He's out of contract in, in the summer as well. And how do you convince a young boy like that that Arsenal is the best place for him to be? I guess, you. Uh, first of all, they have to like the environment and the people mm. that they're working with, which is a big thing. Uh, and, uh, and secondly, I, I suppose, you know, Hector Bellerin is a classic example Early on in the season when he got chucked in for a couple of games, very, very tough games that that uh, he had to come in for. And he had some difficult moments. But you can see there's a the raw material of a fantastic player there. And you could do, even on those games where he was, he was struggling a little bit and given massive tests and not much support and not much help and not much guidance. Um, his attitude has been superb in the way that he just seems to have got on with everything. And... You look at the way he's playing now, and there's you know a good three months possibility if he stays fit for him to be playing regularly. Mm. You know, suddenly, Arsene Wenger has a, a, a quite difficult choice between whether he's going to play Bellerin or Chambers at right back. One would have imagined that Chambers probably would have been the preferred choice, but I'm not so sure it's that straightforward. I think. Bellerin is, looks so natural there. His pace is, su is such a huge asset. His play going forward is um, really dangerous. Uh, he's got loads of ambition. And 
he, he, you know, he looks like the real deal. He's got no experience to speak of, really. But this could be his moment. Debussy, get, you know, getting shoved over by Arnautovic. Um, Arnautovic, excuse me. Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Um, I could think of another pronunciation, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave that one to you. Um, but that's, you know, that's a, a, such a calamitous thing for Debussy, but this might be the making of Bellerin. Yeah. But for someone like Akpom, he's got he's got to get those chances. Maybe he'd have been going on loan next year. Yeah, yeah. but with, with Akpom, it's got to be Giroud's got to get injured. Uh, Welbeck's got to get injured. Uh, Alexis has got to get injured. Theo Walcott probably has got to get injured. Look at the number of midfielders that had to get injured for him to get recalled from Charlton. You just mm. you, you just don't know what what yeah, yeah. this game has in store. So what about Coquelin then? Given that he has. Leaped into the into the first team and deserves to stay there, I think, uh, based on the on the performances that he's put in. Uh, but but I mean, is there a danger of overstating how 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 much impact he's had? It's only been X number of games. Do we need to see more? Or I mean, how does the manager assess that risk then? I think I think Arsene Wenger has probably seen enough to know that he wants to offer him a new contract. Um. It's going to put uh, Francis Coughlin in a really interesting position. He's suddenly got a whole load of cards. <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Were not remotely expected. I imagine the conversations with his agent when he was at Charlton on loan, um, you know, a, a month or so ago, he was possibly quite concerned about where he goes and what deal he gets next from where. Um, and all of a sudden, it may well be there's been even, report, you know, rumoured changes of agent. There's a whole new setup going on and they're, they're, they feel like they've got something a lot bigger on their hands and the cards are with them. So, you know, the interesting point is you put him in that group, um, People are, will be wondering whether or not this affects the the eagerness to buy a more established, you know, tall, physical, imposing defensive midfield player specialist yeah. in the summer. Uh, obviously, the, the links with Schleidlin are quite strong, um, and you know, you want you uh, if you're Arson, you look at who you currently have, which is Flamini, who's coming out of contract, and Arteta, who's had a very difficult time trying to get enough football this year and is reaching a certain age. 
Coquelin and p possibly Mr. X coming in, and, and presumably you want a minimum of two. So it's really up to Arson to work out which two he wants. And I think Coquelin has certainly given himself the the um, the adverts to say, well, I should be one of those two. Yeah. At the very least, it's going to open up doors for him that weren't open six weeks ago. Hmm. And as much as much for the quality of the of the performance has been the the leadership that he suddenly brings to this party, hmm. and obviously, you know, Flamini is a, a great example of someone who who brings a lot of, of of leadership to this to the side. It's he's so very obviously constantly pointing and shouting and uh, cajoling everybody around him, um, but it, that's a side of Coquelin's game that I think is a is maybe an added bonus that wasn't necessarily anticipated in him. Hmm. Well, I mean, he's not, he's not a, a, an ingenue, really. He's, he's been around. He's going to be 24 in May. And he has, you know, it's not like he's, um, he's not played. I mean, he has had some first-team experience with us, with, the, with Freiburg, with Charlton, with, with that. So maybe it is just a, a case that uh, the, the, the chance that has arrived for him has come at exactly the right time for him to take it. He's at the right age. He's got the right maturity, the right level of uh, experience to know that this is what he's got to do. Yeah, but he's he's got to do it over a consistent period of time sure. to really be become established as the man who is of the required quality to be, you know, either number one or number two defensive midfield player for Arsenal in all the top games going forward. Yeah. Right, well, uh, speaking of defensive midfield players, this week we brought one in. He's only 17, though. Uh, Christian Bielik from uh, Legia Warsaw. And Arsene Wenger said that he's going to go straight into the first-team squad. And you'd imagine that's to uh, help develop him more quickly rather than put him straight into, into the first team. Do you know much about him? Or? Not a great deal, but I imagine a bit like... Uh, I mean, Callum Chambers, when he came in, I think... As everybody knows, he's had a lot more football than I was anticipated. I think to start with, the idea was probably to you know give him a few games here and there. He'd be playing cup cup matches and uh, coming in where needed when injuries or suspensions or something or substitute appearances to build up that experience. And I suspect that something similar makes sense for Bielik at mm. this. And the other big uh, story going around this week uh, is uh, Gabriel Paulista from Villarreal, uh, a Brazilian defender, central defender, looks quite Koscielny-ish in the way that he plays, but obviously one a deal that's complicated by his lack of qualification for a work permit because he hasn't qualified, uh, he hasn't played for Brazil, so he doesn't qualify that way. He hasn't been in Europe long enough to get residency in, in Spain or one of the countries where it's uh, it's much easier to pick up. But Arsenal must be surely confident that they can, through the appeals process, secure a work permit for this guy if they're going to go after him with the, the vigour that they appear to be. Well, the good news is that they seem to have actually identified someone that they yeah. want. I mean, that's a start. So, because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Arsene was saying, well, you don't pick up defenders in the supermarket. And every club in Europe's looking for a defender, and it's so difficult. And it was quite a sort of lamentable scene, really, of of trying to, you know, try to stress how, how enormously difficult it is to find the quality of player required. Um, you know, you look at... Uh, I mean, he's playing in Spain. Barcelona are in need of of uh, central defensive reinforcements. You think that they would know very well the players who are doing well in La Liga. So there's competition, you know, all over the place, really. Um, I think uh, the the whole process of trying to get someone in with the work permit thing is is nightmarish, and Arsenal are are going for it as strongly as they can. But they know how risky it is, and I think they're also conscious that they've had a few of these. Um, appeals where they've sought special permission and dispensation with with uh, super talented players, mm. and in the likes of maybe Danielson, uh, certainly Rio Miachi, um, I guess they got when they got when they got those uh, um, work permits for them didn't necessarily turn into the the superstars that was anticipated, especially in uh, Miachi's case. Yeah, so that probably is a bit of a black mark on uh, Arsenal's attempts, um, the commission might turn around and go, hang on a sec, you came here with this one and that one, and uh, well, not, not so impressed <laughs> on your judgment on special talent, really. But um, but they gave us one for Alex Song, so, you know, it works both yeah, ways. Yeah, but, well, I, I, I suspect we'll find out before the end of the month. 
for sure. Um, is it a case that Arsenal have you know looked at this the situation, the defensive situation that they have? And no, they obviously know fine well they needed a central defender since since last summer. That a stopgap signing probably isn't the ideal situation between now uh, and January, and that you know if they are going to go and get somebody, they should get somebody for for the longer term. And so this is a, an attempt to to bring in a player who won't be just handy for this season, but obviously years to come. I think that's quite often the big problem with January, as far as Arsenal is concerned. I think that, that more often than not, there is that sort of indecision where he's looking at a player that he thinks he's going to get or has a chance to get in June or July. And then you look at who's available in January. To, and sometimes it's that it's that risk element. Can I wait the next six months to get the player where I really, really want? Or do I have to get a stopgap? But then... You've got that player, so you can't really just get him out unless you like, unless you get a Kim Calstrom loan or whatever. Yeah. But um, if you're actually going to spend money on somebody, it's that balancing between if the one that you really, really, really have your eye on is going to come up in the summer, do you kind of jeopardise that in some respects by going for someone you don't want quite so much in January? Yeah. Depends on how desperate the need is. And funnily enough, Coquelin has given Arsene you know, the perfect get-out cause in defensive midfield because if it hadn't worked out as it's worked out for him, um, people would be jumping up and down and stamping their feet saying, Arsene's got to buy a defensive midfielder. It's a position that's been needed detention for donkey's years. Um, Arteta's out again. Flamini's the only one that you, you can't play game after game after game at the you know the highest level. What are you going to do otherwise? Stick in chambers. I mean, it just you can see all the arguments that would have come out and been completely justified. Yeah. And you can see that it would have been complicated for Arsene if he's balancing that against thinking, I can't get Schneidlin now, but I can get him in the in summer. What do you do? Yeah. Um, so it's a sort of scruples kind of a game. It's difficult. <laughs> It's more difficult than I think we we sit here and, and assume that you can just go and get these players, but you're having to constantly juggle what you think you can get in future with what you can get now, and who do you rate highly and who's worth waiting for? Yeah, yeah. If your if your short term need is uh, as pressing as ours, though, I'm not sure you've got a great deal of a great exactly. deal That's of choice. Essential. Mm. So whether it's um, Gabriel or whether it's someone else, it would be completely insane not to bring in somebody. Very finally, just want to touch on Mesut Ozil, who's back and fit and looking bigger and stronger than, than he ever did before. But obviously there's a, a, a five foot six impediment to his return to the first team in the, in the shape of Santi Cazorla, who is uh, playing out of his skin at the moment. But uh, given that it's the FA cup this weekend against Brighton, Ozil's going to get a start. Um, you wrote a little bit about him last week, I think, and sort of suggested that now it's time for him to really step up and, and grasp uh, the mantle a little bit uh, in an Arsenal shirt. Yeah, I think I think this is a twenty fifteen's a big year for him. Not in terms of his overall career, but in terms of his relationship with Arsenal. Yeah, um, you know the honeymoon period was was lovely. Then it kind of went off a bit. But last season, uh, sorry, uh, twenty fourteen as a calendar year was was not was not a particularly easy one for Mesut Ozil. Um, he was sort of doing okay January, February. Then he missed that penalty against Bayern and his head went and his performances went. Then he got injured, came back in time for the cup final. Didn't play amazingly in the last few games, but was fine without, you know, uh, absolutely taking the limelight. Obviously went off and had a, a phenomenal summer winning the World Cup with Germany. Comes back, isn't playing well, is getting loads of stick, gets injured, out for a few weeks comes back and can't go, you know, it's been, yeah. it hasn't been that easy to get into the team. So it's a, an odd position for, you know, the, the, the very high-profile record signing to, to be in. But it's up to him to, you know, to make sure that he's so, he's, he has to be so important to Arsenal. He has to make, he has to make his position in the team yeah. something that just works. And he's such a subtle, delightful, ethereal talent to watch playing football. But he's got to work in the team. Mm. In the way that you look at Alexis, you look at the way Santi has been playing recently. That's what you want from your creative attacking players. 
that alliance between the skill element and the, you know, unbelievable desire and hard graft, which David epitomized in recent weeks. Mm. So he's been watching, and it's been interesting, the, the idea that he's sitting on the subs bench and watching, because what's going through his mind? Is he thinking, God, this is great, I want some of this. Is he thinking, I'll just play the same way I always played when I get back in the team and that'll be fine? Or, you know, you just don't don't know what's going through a player's mind. Mm. You'd like to think they're showing him the way. So when he does get back in, you know, I, I don't think it's ever going to be his game where he's he's going to charge around like Alexis, but no. you, yeah. you, you always feel like there's a bit more. Yeah, and I think, I mean, uh, there's that whole thing with his body language where Arsene Wenger spoke about it a little bit last season when he was getting some stick. And he said, look, you know, don't don't think that he doesn't care because his appearance is really deceptive where Mesut Ozil is concerned. And he spoke quite passionately about the fact that, you know, he has this nonchalant sort of style and he, 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 his body language maybe looks like he's not that bothered. But Arsene was insistent that that is not who he is and yeah. not the way he, you know, he feels. And you have to take Arsene's word for it because, um, you know, like a lot of modern players, they don't do huge amounts of um, uh, of making themselves. Obviously, a lot of their, their, their social media is all quite controlled. So you kind of get a feeling you've got an idea of what somebody's like, but you don't really know. Yeah. Um, you know, what's Alexis like? to clue he likes I mean, dogs you think you well yeah absolutely dogs are gorgeous but uh, i don't know what his voice sounds like i don't you know i get the feeling from asking around the club he seems a popular guy they all like him he seems happy all the time um but you you know we we're, we're a bit more in the dark now i think about a, 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 you know how what players are really like even though we have more access as a general public through social media. Is that because in the, in the past, uh, journalists, you know, who were working uh, around a particular club, for example, or not even, but there was more interaction... Much more, of course. ...between players yeah, and, and yeah, the press. an idea of, of someone's personality, um, just from hanging about, really, and just you'd see people walking past, you'd have maybe a little chit-chat, nothing... You know, you weren't best friends or anything, but you just, you just got to see what someone was like off the, you know away from the parameters of the pitch, um, how they interacted with other people just walking down a corridor even. Uh, uh, and obviously some would be much more open and friendly than others because that's people. But yeah. uh, but you just got a feel for someone. And occasionally you would meet them and you would, or they'd stop and talk to you in a mix zone. And even if it's just a five-minute chat, you'd, you'd just get an idea of, of uh, someone's tone of voice, of their gestures, um, whether they were a bit introverted, enthusiastic, um, what private or easygoing, what kind of people you get a vibe of what someone's like when you when you see them face to face. But you know that that that's become much less prevalent now. So you know you're kind of depending on Twitter and Instagram and what have you, and and uh, it can give you an idea of someone, but it's it's a sort of controlled idea, isn't it? Mm, sure is. All right, well, let's see what Mesut Ozil can uh, bring to the table that doesn't uh, emanate from his phone. Um, <laughs> Amy, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, as always. Cheers, Andrew. Thank you, as always, to Amy. You know where to find her on Twitter, at AmyLawrence71. That's at AmyLawrence71. Now, this weekend, more FA Cup action and a chance for the manager to rejig his team a little bit, perhaps rest one or two who need to be rested and give a chance to a couple of players who would want to make an impact to give the manager something to think about. The obvious one, of course, is Mesut Ozil just back from injury, but he's finding that his path into the team is somewhat blocked by Santi Cazorla, who is just outstanding at this moment in time. But on Sunday, I think he's going to start. Cazorla could probably do with a rest. Uh, Ozil will get a chance to show what he can do, and with uh, Alexis back in the team, with uh, Cazorla playing as well as he is, uh, we need to see perhaps a little bit more from Mesut Ozil than we have in the past. He looks like he's taken his rehab very seriously in terms of how he's prepared himself physically. He doesn't look quite as slight anymore. He's certainly uh, a bit beefier than he used to be, and hopefully that's something he puts to good use as the uh, as the season progresses, because he is a fantastic footballer. It's been really odd, because normally when you miss a player, 
Um, they, they, they tend to get built up, don't they, in, in terms of uh, their ability, whether it's uh, commensurate with that actual ability or not. I'm not sure, but when you're out, uh, people will say, oh, if only we had X player, you know, he could bring this, that, or the other. And that doesn't seem to have happened with Ozil. I think he still has to convince some people that he's the player we all thought he was going to be. He's had his moments, but it's fair to say that he hasn't quite hit the heights either that, that we would have expected for a £42.5 million signing. But, you know, maybe... The time off, uh, away from the game, not playing. Perhaps it's refreshed him and reinvigorated him, and hopefully uh, we'll see the benefits of that. And if the competition between himself and Santi Cazorla, if that's what it is, and I do think there's a way that they can both play in the same team. But, you know, if that perceived competition brings out more from Mesut Ozil, then we're going to be the beneficiaries of that, and that will be a good thing between now uh, and May. Theo Walcott, he'll get a start too, I would imagine. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is something of a doubt with a groin problem, so if there's any risk there, you'd like to think that we can rest him because Walcott is back. Um, he too has got a little bit to prove used to be the only guy in our team who had pace. So the minute that we were without Walcott, everyone was going, oh, God, we're so flat-footed and pedestrian. That's no longer the case. When you've got a flyer like Alexis Sanchez, you've got Danny Welbeck in the team, Oxlade-Chamberlain to a certain extent. Hector Bellerin now in the team is as fast as anything, although he's a bit of a dad as well with an ankle problem. Um, we'll wait and see what happens there. But it's time, I think, for Walcott to start making a mark. There was some nice movement against Hull. He should have scored against Stoke. Um, he's got to get his head down and start producing now, though, because he's been out of the game for a year, more or less, even though he did come back and was injured again. He's lost a lot of football. Um, and he is going to be rusty, and I accept that fully, but he's also got to realize that there's big competition for his place now. It wasn't too long ago that Theo Walcott was able to kind of hold the club over a barrel with his new deal because we'd lost uh, Sesk, we'd lost Van Persie, and if we'd lost Walcott as well, it would have been just terrible for the club. But he knew that too, and his people knew that, and he was able to use that in his advantage. Now he's not quite as indispensable as he was back then for various reasons. So it would be good to uh, to see him start producing on the pitch again. The manager has got a decision to make about what to do in goal as well. If he picks Wojciech Szczesny, does that mean that he's saying Wojciech Szczesny is the cup goalkeeper from now on? Szczesny knows what that means if you're the cup goalkeeper. Or is it a chance for him to come back into the first team with a good display? How do you drop Ospina, though? After three wins, three clean sheets? Seems a particularly difficult thing to do. Unless he really, really believes that Chesney is the right man for the job, in which case this would be a way of easing him back in. I think Chesney will play this game. Uh, a chance for a redemption, so to speak. And he's got to perform. He knows that, too. Had a right kick up the arse in recent weeks after his uh, silly dressing room antics. And uh, so far, the door hasn't really opened for him to get back into the team. Sunday will be a good chance to remind the manager of his talent and ability and all that kind of stuff. But until Ospina has a pretty bad run of form or picks up an injury, which isn't beyond the realms of possibility, seeing as he spent most of the season injured, I think Chesney's going to have to content himself with a place on the bench. But we'll see. We will see what happens. Uh, we played Brighton a few years ago in the Cup, and I think it was 3-2. I remember Giroud scoring at least one really, really good goal, and Andre Santos played that day. Happy memories indeed for all of us. Uh, so it's not going to be any kind of a walk in the park, you know, especially away from home. Uh, regardless of what we just did against Manchester City, this is the FA Cup. Uh, things can happen in the FA Cup, as we know. Um, we came close to things happening last season, even on our way to winning it. So it is one of those competitions you really have to give your best in. And I think from our point of view, it does represent our best chance of a trophy this season. So let's hope we take this uh, as seriously as we should. So really, that's about it. We'll have an Arscast Extra on Monday at some point. The issue is, of course, is that uh, James is, is not in the same time zone as me anymore. He's far, far away on the other side of of america he's on uh he's on the west coast of america so that's a minus eight hour time difference so we're gonna have to figure something out in that regard it probably won't be at the usual time but we'll we'll do something we'll figure it out one way or the other and um, we'll have an rs cast extra for you on monday so until then let's keep fingers crossed for the fa cup and we'll chat to you on next week's rs cast until then cheers bye-bye
Hello? Ah, how are you, Giles? How's it going there? Yeah, good, good. Yourself? Ah, you're always a top man, Grimstar. What's going on? Ah, yeah, no, it's going grand out here. Seriously, I'm in Spain, scouting away like mad, so I am, yeah. Definitely not sitting around drinking mojitos watching girls. No, I'm watching young boys. We mean young men. Playing football, because that's my job, yeah. Tell the big man, by the way, great stuff there with the Polish lad, the, the Bielik, the bald eagle, what? Look at another youngster out of obscurity who'll go off on loan for four years and have a fair to middling career with someone like Birmingham. Top man, top man. Anyway, what's going on? Oh, he wants me to look at somebody in particular. All right, fair enough. Hang on, let me get me pen there. Right, so where am I going? Uh-huh. And who's he play for? Right, right. And what's the name? Roberto Oso or Miguero. Roberto Oso or Miguero. Grant, look, we'll go check him out. And we'll get back to your first thing next week. Give it the old rundown on the old Roberto Oso or Miguero. Good stuff. All right, cheers. Mind yourself. Oh, by the way, we ran into Simeone there the other week. <laughs> he said, tell that cunt I'm going to burst his fucking face open. Just said I'd pass the message on. All right, mind yourself. Cheers. Now, where's my dictionary? Roberto. Well, that's Robert. Robert. Bob. <laughs> also Armiguero. Also Armiguero. Bob. Bob. Bob Anteater. Bob Anteater. Yes. Yes, top man, Arson, you've done it again.